Have you ever found the perfect pair of jeans and bought multiple pairs thinking, well, that's the jeans problem solved for the rest of my life? Well, here's your podcast problem solved for the rest of your life. We take our guests through the quicks of their retail habits, from their best ever bargains, to the times they've been completely ripped off. Welcome to False Economy. Powered by Hot UK Deals, the UK's number one app for deals, discounts and freebies. I'm Vince Layton, consumer champion, shopaholic and occasional comedian. And alongside me is a man who has never searched for a discount code in his whole life. He's the Bert to my Ernie, the Scrappy to my Scooby, the frying pan to my Tom and Jerry. It's Paul Watson. How are you? That was really nice. I actually uh, felt, I felt myself quite touched by that intro. Oh, I know. That was genuinely like, quite nice. It's like nice. when the dentist stops drilling and you're like, this is fine. Like, yeah, it is actually. I, in fact, it's funny you make that comparison because I was at the dentist last week and I was trying to think, like, what does this remind me of? And it is a bit like the intros, isn't it? Where you're, you're braced and you're expecting it to be bad. It's always a bit worse than you think. Was it good though? Do we? Right? This was great. This was actually oh, the dentist. Dentist was um was was good. It's very expensive, very yeah. very expensive. Because I, I go private on the dentist. The one thing I'll pay oh, money for. Them, oh, we found something you'll be yeah. bougie about. It's, it's the dental one thing. Treatment. And I was pushed into it because the NHS dentists are so hard to book. Like you have to wait so yeah. long, and I had a filling to do, and they literally wouldn't fit me in. So I went private, and now I have. It's the one guilty pleasure I've got is not having the worst dentist experience, but having a secondary. Ah, <laughs> it's it's horrible, but I think it's nicer to you when you're private. They're re- that's the thing. The actual experience, the actual the way you're treated is love. Like they're so nice to you. Obviously, they can't change the fact that what they are doing is, you know, drilling into your mouth in a painful way, but. Um, honestly, it's, it's one thing I've I said, I'm going to really push the boat out. I've yeah. never regretted it. Actually. Oh, well, there we are. So that's a good spend, as opposed to false economy. I think we've covered sparkling gold banter. Should we introduce our guest? Yeah, it'd be rude if we sort of just let him just, sit there while I talk so, about my just, dentistry just problems. Just I mean, wait, waiting to get involved. <laughs> he knows right. a lot about my teeth for someone who hasn't <laughs> actually been introduced yet. Right, and he's perfect for the show. He's known for economically great design, upcycling, and ways of spending small amounts of money really well, which is perfect, as we actually paid him in shoestrings, whatever they are. You'll know him from TV programmes such as George Clark's Amazing Places and Kirsty Allsop's Fill Your House for Free. Please welcome Max McMurdo. Hello. I'm slightly concerned by the intro there, but if it's you being kind to each other, I'm wondering if this is the place for me, but yes. <laughs> well, Thanks for having me. I haven't got that in the script. What I've got is lovely small talk, so um, we're gonna, we'll are gonna we start from the top and we'll keep going until we get it right. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's all in good fun, isn't it, Paul? Yeah, it's great. It's great fun. It's yeah. Great fun. <laughs> How's your day been so far? Very good, actually. I've uh, been to the workshop. We're building a top secret project, which I'm going to tell you about anyway. Amazing. Uh, it's the new big build for Amazing Spaces. So George is getting a new caravan. I is think it I can like say Art that Attack for adults, yeah, where Doug Neil does the big, the big piece at yeah, the end. Yeah. So. My whole life is a little bit like that in reality. I've realised the other day that um, I'm just waiting for a man in a suit to come and grab hold of me and say, hey, you boy, go and get a proper job and buy a suit and drive a three series BMW and be an adult. But I've had 45 years of running around the planet just being me, having fun and being creative. And it's like no one's stopping me, so I'm going to keep going. So how did it start? Is it because you didn't have a lot of money but had aesthetic desires? Like, how do you get into this business I guess so yeah growing up we didn't have much money we weren't in complete poverty but my parents were like post-war so they did you know experience extreme poverty my 
dad grew up homeless. He lived in a tram with his dad and his two brothers. Um, so they had extreme poverty. So that was always in his psyche growing up. So I remember if something broke, he would take it apart and save every last component. He would make do and mend. My grandfather would as well. So that was definitely drummed into me from a very young age. And then growing up, I became creative mainly because I wasn't very academic. So that's the polite version of what happened. <laughs> My teachers threw me out of a lot of lessons because I was just always politely disruptive I suppose I was asking <laughs> questions about things which worked in a design class because yeah. that's what you're supposed to do but every other class it was seen as as being disruptive so they suggested it'd be better if I worked outside the classroom on my own rather than with the other humans which I think was probably for the best yeah. actually it's mad to think that like critical thinking now is such a key skill that you probably <laughs> you'd have a very different experience in school I'd like to think so. so, yeah. I think back in my day, it sounds like I'm 90, <laughs> but um, back in my day, it felt like you just had to have a photographic memory and recite information to pass your exams if you thought outside the box and wanted to be creative and take things apart and ask why you were kind of seen as disruptive and, and not very academic or welcome in the classroom. So I'd like to think times have changed. And certainly when I speak to young people, I definitely encourage them to be disruptive yeah. and provocative and question things within the the rules of the law of course <laughs> <laughs> good, good save at the yes. end there but you've got good what my mum would call a good trade i think so yeah i'm a bit of a jack of all trades if i'm honest which i read the other day used to be seen as a slanderous thing meaning you're not particularly brilliant at anything but i think to be a good designer maker you have to be one of those and now it's seen as a bit of a, a benefit and a bonus being one of those people so i'd like to think if you gave me a design problem and dilemma i'd be able to think completely laterally and neutrally and not think in terms of wood or metal or fabric or plastic or any deliberate material or process i'd think of the proper solution solution to the problem and then I'll go off and I can make a prototype to a decent standard if you then want it manufactured to a very very high standard I would then work with that expert so I love being a jack of all trades so you do get designers who can't make then so they're designers who can create ideas for things but they have no idea whether practically they they work i'd say the majority of designers can draw beautiful pictures with no comprehension for how that can then be made but then on the other hand you have a lot of people who are just fabricators who don't understand design and solutions and i'd say 50 percent of my time in the workshop which i love this is the most enjoyable bit is just problem solving it's not actually screwing two bits of wood together anybody can do that within reason it's actually the how do we screw them together in the most structurally sound way that's aesthetically pleasing it looks great but functions well it's affordable it's repairable it's all of those things that surround the idea of just attaching two bits of wood or indeed should one of them be a piece of metal and therefore what are the implications so i love the fact that i'm not just a stylist and i'm not just a fabricator the dream is and this is why i set my little business up is that i come up with a, a silly idea I then develop it. Usually there's a load of mistakes in that process as well where you learn from those mistakes and then you make the final item and then you take it to market, sometimes literally at Camden Market, and then you sell it to the end user and you think, a thing that was in my head is now in reality and somebody paid me money for that thing. Wow. That's, that's how I feel about amazing. this podcast except no one's <laughs> paying me any money for it. Uh, <laughs> so that obviously requires... A, like. You've got a lot of complicated thinking going on. You're a problem solver by your own admission. Do you apply that to your finances? Are you a deal hunter? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I used to. So growing up, uh, and I'm not sure if this is a polite thing to say or not, but 
a traditionally Scottish household. <gasps> is that allowed? Am I allowed to say that? Well, you are if you are I from a traditional yeah, Scottish yeah. household. Yeah. If I say it, yourself, it's bad. Absolutely. It's so fine. my experience of growing up in my traditional Scottish household was very much, let's you like spend... value. <laughs> good value for money. Absolutely. <laughs> but it was also, like I say, about make do amend. Dad would put all the old screws that were completely chewed up and unusable back in a tobacco tin in the garage and all of those sort of cost-saving exercises. Mum would cook meat and two veg to the point of where she boiled the nutrients out of all the food and then threw that down the sink and then we got the solid bit that was left. I hope she's not listening to this. That'd be awful. She won't be. Um, um, so I grew up in that kind of household and because of that, my mindset was always, here's the item you would like that your friends have got. Then I would spend about four million hours finding a cheap alternative to it that was completely inferior, that would break within about seven minutes and then I would go and buy the one I really wanted after spending my time and money researching to buy the really rubbish alternative. Yeah, but you're the dream guest. So what is, what's the best deal you've ever found then? That's a really good question. Do you know what? In the last <laughs> week, I've got an absolute bargain that okay. I'm very excited about. I bought myself a 20-year-old Volkswagen Beetle. <gasps> like not an old air-cooled like one, Kirby. so don't get too excited. No, oh, no, no, no. The, All like, right. the more ugly version of that. I'm managing my expectations, but, it was £1,000. It's fantastic. And I keep going on about it to my mates because like, I've, I've got a new van and all these other vehicles, a double-decker bus, for example. Have you? But, but How uh, much did that cost? You, you can't just gloss over that. You, you no. own a double-decker bus. Yes. Bring it back around, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, can I do the Beetle story first? Yeah, I'm very sorry, excited sorry. about my Yeah, Beetle. I'm getting right. off topic. Yeah. So for £1,000, it's got heated leather seats. My house doesn't have heated leather seats. Electric windows. My house doesn't have electric windows. In fact, if you buy a new house for five hundred grand, let us say, it's got a wooden front door with a manual lock on it, and that's about it. Plasterboard that creaks and groans a bit. But for £1,000, you can get an engine, a gearbox, heated leather seats, air conditioning, a sunroof, electric windows... That's fantastic value. Now, that got me thinking, can I build a little house and incorporate all the tech from a car like that into it? Because it's only a grand. Oh my God. How cool would that be? And like you've got central locking, all of the functionality of that. And that was like, that was a 35 grand motor back in the day. It's now £1,000. It's what you're describing a caravan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hang on a minute. Um, I feel like that's been invented. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit late to the party. Sorry, you can I? Read I was about. I was thinking living car or something, but actually, yeah, yeah caravan, caravan. Isn't it? <laughs> I was trying to mark. I was marketing it in my mouth. I was like, a living car. Oh, I imagine. But no, that yeah. is it, it's yeah. a caravan. I suspect what I'll end up doing is buying another thousand pound beetle for spares, and between them, they'll make one fully functioning car. So maybe it's not quite the bargain. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, on the subject of that, something you bought because it seemed like a bargain, but now wish you'd spent more on. You can't reverse engineer your answer. It's like, yeah, it's a a beetle. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, again, growing up, I I just bought everything on the cheap, secondhand stuff, which I love buying secondhand because typically it's a charity shop, so the money goes to charity and it's keeping it in in the circular economy, which is fantastic, rather than things going to landfill. Yeah. So I, I do enjoy a bargain like that, but actually it is always generally false economy unless you're looking at furniture i think furniture is a fantastic example of definitely invest in something secondhand particularly like mid-century furniture rather than modern chipboardy stuff that falls apart in 10 minutes i feel like they're not built to last anymore because i remember my parents buying a suite and it was in my life for like 20 years (laughs) 
So much so that it went back into fashion. Yeah, basically. And uh, I've bought about three sofas in the last five years and they just go. Like the cushions, the integrity's gone on the cushions. (laughs) They're like one leg is off. But they're designed to do that. So built-in obsolescence was an actual part of my design course where you design things to break after X amount of years. Cars are designed to break immediately after your warranty runs out because that's how they they generate their income. And in fact, I was told once, I went on Dragon's Den years ago and produced a recycling cycling bin and Theo invested in the business Theo and Deborah and and Theo laughed at me because I made it so I was determined to make it last forever and he said that's like the worst business decision you can ever make I went yeah but socially and morally I'll sleep really well at night he went yeah but once somebody's bought one of your bins you have to sleep in your bin (laughs) (laughs) get a a return customer that's the most like incredible so you have to build it you have to almost sabotage your own instinct as someone who wants to build something that lasts. You have to rein that in. I guess if, if I think about it, it's pretty obvious, but I guess I I've never no. designed any well, furniture. So Same with my Apple Watch. I've got one from about three years ago, and I can't accept any of the updates, and I know there'll be something built into that basically looks like a kill switch that overwhelms the watch and I'll need to get another one so I'm still running on a very old operating you see with computers I get it because yeah very much like I've seen that with computers but I hadn't ever thought about how that would be done with furniture because obviously with electronics it's pretty obvious as you say the updates just make it so don't update use it you've got an older phone it's not but yeah like how do you make (laughs) it last a set amount of time so it obviously isn't going to break immediately because that's no yeah. good it's like shoddy and materials weirdly you want that customer yeah. to still come back right <laughs> yeah. so that's genius that's a really fine line isn't it so that you sell them something initially that's that lures them in and they think it's beautiful and brilliant and will last then when it doesn't last it lasted long enough that they want to come back and be, be a return customer exactly. I don't do that I just make things really really well built and then they do last forever but, but in then terms you of price them model, accordingly and people don't want to spend that money and I think this is again the People don't think of that. And that's something I've made a conscious effort to do now is I, I do now buy nice things that do cost not a lot of money, but considerably more than I used to. And I think it was when I bought a pair of nice leather brogues once and I looked at the price and they were, say, £200. But then it occurred to me after five years with certain brands, you can send them back to be rehealed and refurbished. And actually, the cost per year is fantastic. And you end up wearing something you really like that you really care about and it's good for the planet it's good for your pocket it's good because you're the people are in jobs because they're paid to repair them so it's only recently i've kind of got into the whole mindset of spend more money stop being like you were as a child and influenced by my mum and dad buying cheap and replacing all the time and actually invest in either a nice jacket or a nice pair of shoes if it's just a t-shirt i can't justify that because that's yeah. just covering my body but shoes i think oh but i stand up a lot and i do walking so <laughs> yeah. they're really important and a cost on a cost per wear because like, sometimes you have to sort of calculate it that way it's like well i'll probably wear these like a hundred times so actually cost per wear is pretty reasonable so basically you're saying the biggest rip off well the bargain that you wish you spent more on is pretty much everything you bought until you had enough money to yeah (laughs) buy better quality and i suppose thinking about it now is that because of finance agreements back in my day you couldn't buy anything if you didn't have the money there was no way of getting it on Klarna or whatever it is you know three months interest free credit and all these things so maybe young people actually now do have the ability to buy the proper product up front and think about the cost per wear or the cost it's, per year. It depends though, because when you you see that principle applied to things that you could buy, because they're not doing that for electricals, are they? It's on your fast fashion stuff, and that is just enabling people to buy things they couldn't afford. So there are, you're right, there are two arguments for that. There's the pay in instalments to get 
something worth the money, but the but, abuse of it is like easy credit cards. But like, if you add the interest in, surely it's never a very good deal, is it? Like it's almost. It's like, it's like putting anything on it's, the credit card. It's a tough one. It's like we're all finding this out now at the moment because this is not very fun. Um, inflation has pushed everybody, you know, even if it goes up a couple of percent on your credit cards, that is a lot of money. So technically you should live within your means, I guess, which I definitely do not. And Paul, I think you you do. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I do. But it's, it's a lot easier because as we, we've said many times, I'm not really, I don't really see items and want to buy them. Um, I wish I had your vision. <laughs> no, and it's not any kind of discipline or restraint, and that's that's where it's it's, it's weird, yeah, isn't it? It's, it's like not like I'm missing. seeing things and thinking, oh, I can't, I can't have that. I, I just, I'm not really excited by items. I think I'm the same as you, but may, maybe in latter years, when I was younger, I thought I wanted a Ferrari. Oh yeah, I think as a kid, I definitely did, and and the only way that thing of like wanting something, your parents saying no, wanting it more, and your parents say no and no, and then you think, well, when I'm when I'm older, I want to buy, and then actually, I did get older and just didn't really find I, I wanted. And I'm becoming more caveman. I've realised in later years. Oh, well, you want to live in your car. Yeah, <laughs> the next logical step is a cave. I've built myself a camper van, and I just want to live in that now. All I need is a bit of shelter and a bit of fire and some food. Like all the other stuff brings problems and challenges into my life. I think if you strip it right back to what really makes us genuinely happy, the endorphin release you get when you buy something you can't really afford, you go, yay, I've got that thing. And then afterwards you go, oh, no, I really shouldn't have bought that. Can't really afford it. I've now got to go to a job that I don't really enjoy to pay for it. Whereas actually the long-term feeling of happiness is actually just creating an environment where you know you're comfortable where you're never beyond your means and that's where I am now so my business I grew my business because I watched things like The Apprentice and Dragon's Den and thought it's all about growth grow 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 get loads of your logo everywhere and then you realize oh that meant I wasn't doing the job I liked doing anyway I was managing people I want to design and make things so I've now reduced it right back to me in a lovely little workshop (laughs) with a little coffee machine and some music and me just pottering about making cool things that make me happy, so much happier. So what is your most frivolous spend then? Where have you wanted it and you didn't need it? What's what's the item that it's comes to mind? Possibly food. I love <laughs> food. Again, being a caveman, that's, it's, a, it's a thing you need for sustenance. But also I love the experience, the flavours, the way people do different things. And it's also because of my mum's influence. Again, apologies if you're listening, mum. <laughs> Food was never really like salt and pepper was seen as this weird spice. Oh, exotic seasoning. No, (laughs) you have the blandest food known to man. So, so food for me is now this privilege and the, the ability to go into a restaurant and get somebody to source the materials, potentially grow crops and go through like if it's meat you know going through an abattoir and all of that process to get that food to the the flames to cook it with energy to put it on a plate that was maybe made by an artisan to put it on my table bring it to my table that was made by somebody in an environment where it's there's heat and light all paid for to then dine with a knife and fork and enjoy that food and then they clean it up after me and I go home really satisfied and full of nutrients I think that's an absolute honour and a privilege. That's the best advert for the hospitality industry I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that could be like a, a TripAdvisor five-star yeah. review, couldn't yeah. it? For every, for every restaurant yeah. in history. Anyone yeah. who's ever said this meal is too expensive, you're there. Like, yeah. you're it's really not, is it? Imagine sort of like growing yeah. chicken. You don't grow chickens, but rearing chickens <laughs> and growing vegetables and all of that process. And I can spend 10 to 20 quid and get someone to do all that for me and then I don't have to do it at home. Yeah. <laughs> 
So uh, what does your targeted advertising look like on social media? Are any of them surprising to you? Are they just, do they know you? It's usually the same old stuff of camper vans, adventure <laughs> life and tools. Um, occasionally I do get some strange ones. I got asked at Grand Designs last weekend if I was interested in a conservatory. And I said, that's a brilliant question, mate. Showed him my phone with my Instagram and he saw that I live in a shipping container that floats. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about that, actually. Um, yeah. We haven't got to the bus yet, but now we've got the bus and you live in a shipping container that floats. So yeah. uh, account for these decisions. <laughs> well, that was an absolute bargain. So that was financially... A thousand pounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had a spare grand kicking around. So the, the, the cottage that had the shipping container now, which is like a ship in a bottle that nobody will ever be able to to get rid of um, I sold that and I'd made like 50 grand's worth of equity and thought I don't really like this mortgage thing and I don't like the idea of renting either so can I build a house for £50,000 that sounds like a lot of money and it turns out you can um, but the problem is land land and planning permission and all those things I'm not trying to create loopholes of course I'm not suggesting anyone else at home does this but is this how you got involved in grand designs is it like when the person that was the contestant on the chase got promoted to the chaser is this what happened basically you... amazing spaces thought that guy's a bit bonkers he'll do anything let's encourage him and keep prodding him to do new silly ideas <laughs> So, yeah, so I bought a shipping container. I think that was I splashed out on this one. It's two and a half grand. Because also, again, this whole back to nature thing, I don't want. I just walked through London, through lots of unhappy faces, and there was the tiny little park outside with about four million people in it, all looking at one sort of just pigeon. Just to touch grass. Yeah, go and look at nature. Nature's amazing. And I just looked at it and thought, this is awful. That, that's not nature. <laughs> that's just one little patch of grass, like you say. Um, I wake up every morning and I've got my four swans. They're not mine. I think I now share them with. With King Charles, do I? Is he now the owner of the Swans? I don't know, because they used to belong to the Queen, didn't they? Yeah. So I, I don't know the, ah. the the new rules. But um, but I've got my Swans and my geese and my ducks and the heron and kingfishers and nature, and I don't pay a premium for it because I don't own a back garden which needs mowing and maintaining and. It's just nature. So I paid for a little mooring spot at Bedford Marina. Don't come and sink my boat, please. Um, and put a shipping <laughs> container there. And that's where I live. And it's, do you know what? It's more than big enough. Everyone goes, oh, poor you. One day will you get a proper house, a big one with spare bedrooms <laughs> Or at least a boat. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's why I'm there because it's really cheap. It's all bought and paid for. I Is this on Instagram? Can I look at it? Yes. It's oh, just, my God, I'm obsessed. It's basically a shipping container with a wall of bifold doors on the front that opens up completely in the summer. One bedroom one lounge and a kitchen and a bathroom in the middle and that is it and people go is oh not cold in the winter no I've got a log burner I've got infrared Sink heating on. it's so cosy <laughs> with my heated seats in my beetle so uh, I was going to ask you about a bargain that you've put a lot of effort into but is it that yeah building my own home out of a shipping <laughs> container was a lot of work a lot of effort halfway through as with every project I doubted myself and went oh, I'm an idiot oh, I shouldn't have done this um, the only thing I'm going to fess up now okay. is the toilet so we don't have sewage um, but well, it, you, you, you definitely create sewage. You yeah, don't have I, a solution oh, for it. Eating out all the time, like I do. <laughs> so, so, but I, I generally. <laughs> Uh, this is far too personal. This I'm going to tell you horrible, anyway. but so, I want to hear it. So I would Sorry. tend to go to the toilet in the restaurant after eating. You, you learn to <laughs> toilet in places. Oh, I do have a toilet. Okay. But if you go to the toilet, for emergencies. you then have to empty your toilet. So yeah, you same. try not to do the toilet in your own home because it then needs emptied. So you do get into a habit of of making sure you deposit things elsewhere, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> where they have sewage or you have to empty it and that's not a nice thing it's like the Sunday walk of shame everyone that lives there oh. like you pass each other with your little trolley of toilet stuff and you look at each other like ooh yeah. 
Uh, but you don't say anything. You're not allowed to say anything. You can't go, oh, had a good week. Yeah. <laughs> and you can, Rich. Theoretically, you can just move. You could just move where you are. Are you saleable? Or? Yeah. You both look so confused. You're both frowning at me at the same What's time. Good, like, no, what is I, this I man? It's if it was a boat, yeah. obviously you could just go, go off down the canal more up somewhere else because yeah. it's a ship yeah container. that's is the it bit I don't get does yeah. it move is it's it not seaworthy oh. no I'm not seaworthy and I'm not powered that's got um, it but I'm still bobbing around so that's lovely actually the little the bobbiness that you oh. get the little bit of movement is wonderful you it's could like, get towed I guess yeah you can yeah. and because it's a shipping container it's designed to be lifted by the four corners lifted onto the back of a lorry and you can take it anywhere you like oh. so in reality you're more portable I guess but you do get constant cruisers who just live on the river they don't pay a mooring fee they stay I think it's like 48 hours in any one spot and then they've got to move on it's such a lovely way of life and the moment you walk into a marina everyone calms down so if you've had a really tough day at work and you're a bit kind of hectic in your mind you look at nature you look at everyone else going really slow and think ah i now must relax because nature goes at a certain pace and i can't be too hectic in this environment and then again during the pandemic i was able to go paddle boarding every day by just walking out of my front door straight onto a paddle board and off down the river so yeah in the summer particularly it's just bliss and i don't have to manage any of it if you have a big back garden which a lot of people strive for you have to then get a gardener in to make it look pretty nature takes its course along the river just it does its own thing and i just enjoy it you know i'm glad you told us a bit about the toilet because otherwise it just sounds like you've sort of won. Yeah. It sounds like you've sort of found a, a cheat code and you've won at life. Yeah, because yeah. it all sounds idyllic. But I'll always have that image of you with the bucket. Yeah. So at least I know, I'm not too jealous. Oh, extraordinary scenes. Um, <laughs> right, we are on to the quickfire round. Ooh. Typically it's not quick. <laughs> Nothing has been so far. <laughs> Nothing is on fire. Uh, we will ask you a question on how much you think something is. So it's like the old, you know, how much to pint milk. We're oh going to find no. out how out of touch you are. A bit in a less confrontational way. In a less yeah, confrontational it, it, way. Is it, yeah. My old schoolmate's going to go, oh, he's changed. That sort of <laughs> moment, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the uh, complete opposite of this because it's kind, all nonsense. Yeah, the idea is. Things you, you wouldn't know. Oh, good. Okay, so are we ready? I'm ready. How much is a hair transplant at the private clinic? That's the name of it, all caps, the private clinic on Harley Street. And that's the C-zone, which is specifically the crown of the head. Now, you've both got brilliant heads of hair, so I can't imagine this has ever occurred to you. It's <laughs> it's not, I don't think it's good because hair transplants are usually taking hair from one bit of your body and putting it. Is it really? Elsewhere. I yeah. Didn't so you know take that. a section of hair that you're not so interested in and you plug it in to the front of your head. My friend's had it done, actually. I won't name him in case he doesn't want people to know. An but individual follicle horrible. gets taken out of one part of your body. Yeah. Ooh, so it's, uh, I know the cost per hair as well. Cost per hair makes it easier, doesn't it? So you can you can give me cost per hair or a global answer. In fact, yeah. Uh, two points up for grabs here. When I always think about <laughs> things, how much would it cost for me to make it? If I look at a piece of furniture, I always think... <laughs> How much does that cost? So for me right. to, to grow a hair, get someone in a chair, get some tweezers, remove. Mm. I mean, I imagine yeah. they just don't pluck them and drill a hole, do they? But it's probably yeah. quite a lengthy process. I think it's a, yeah, it's not yeah. great. I'm going to go for price per. Oh, I don't. This is really hard. It's really so hard. I want it's a got co- no yeah. frame of reference. I want a cost per hair, and I want a, a global price. Well, the total can't be more than like five grand, can it? I, d- I would actually almost go well, the Harley Street thing, but I know oh. I shouldn't. I probably shouldn't be. But and also yeah, I might be completely t- wrong, so I'm not, not trying Turkish to sledge you either. But I, I've just been to ho- on holiday to Turkey, and there was a high proportion of very 
surgically enhanced people on the plane. It only occurred to me coming back because there were a lot of single passengers that weren't dressed like they'd been on holiday. And I was like, oh, what have yeah. they had done? Yeah, and they all had like like big lips, like proper veneers. Like it is now, you can buy package holidays where you get something done. It was in the brochure on the plane. Like That'd be a great day surgery out. Surgery holidays. Just fly to Turkey and back in a day just to guess what they've all had done. Like run yeah. a book. <laughs> yes, I was sat. I was sat in the lounge, just like oh, lips or or boobs. Oh, I'm not judging. It looks great, but yeah. And yeah, they weren't tanned, so they hadn't even like you know, <laughs> but anyway, the question is, hair transplant, how much? This really is a Not quick fire round, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna go for seven thousand seven hundred and seventy seven pounds. Okay, and a cost per hair of Based on there being a hundred <laughs> hairs. <laughs> You've definitely got more than 100 hairs. Just the C-zone. Oh, is, you're, you're right. We're only doing the C-zone, C-zone Vix. Come on. Yeah, that's the crown. But I don't really know what that is. No, none of us do. Someone showed me like a diagram of the head and went, okay, what's... I, I've got to say that I think this might be the hardest question we've had in the entire history <laughs> of the really question. Hard. Yeah, because we have nothing to no. root this in. We need oh, nothing. nothing to root in. Oh, <laughs> we do need a diameter of the C-zone, I feel <laughs> Because I'm imagining Friar Tuck from like yeah, Robin I Hood. Maybe. Yeah. That bald spot there. Yeah. yeah. I think in that bald spot there, there's got okay. to be, I'm counting imaginary hairs. <laughs> there's got you to can, be 500 follicles. You can use mine. Can I use a calculator, please? <laughs> yeah, if you like. Because my teacher used to tell me at school, oh, well, you won't have a calculator in your pocket when you're older, will you? Yeah. You need to be good at maths. Actually, I think you'll find. That works out of 15 pounds a hair. Yeah, so yeah, I think okay. it's... Okay, so you're going £15 per per hair. Per follicle. Okay, Paul? I'm just going to say 9000 9, because I think it's more, but... Okay. And, and the per hair thing, if you said seven, I'm going to say nine, but just... So I said but I'm not going to get... Oh, you said 15. Yes. Then I'll say um more, 17. So, Paul, you've, you've won one point and you've lost another because you said 9000 the answer is 8000 to 9000 pounds because it does depend obviously on okay. how many follicles so you were bang on in the zone there congratulations well, well done but you lost out on the cost per hair which is as as little as 2 pound 50 per hair oh which means we underestimated You've the density. You grossly underestimated uh, how many hairs you have on yeah. your hair. In Only in so, Yeah, for a tenner, four hairs. So just pick where you want them, I guess. <laughs> oh, can a we go and do that? Hair. We should definitely yes. do that. Imagine the Harley Street <laughs> waiting room and everyone just going in for three hairs. <laughs> oh, do it in instalments. Counting yeah. out your pennies at the counter. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> here for another four. It's been a particularly good week. <laughs> right, how much do you think it would cost to stay the night in the worst hotel in the UK it's unofficially been cracked the literal worst hotel in the UK a Tuesday night stay for one at the Britannia in Birmingham oh Oh, it's tricky isn't it (laughs) because you don't know whether it's the worst because the reviews are responding to the price see what I mean bad value yeah Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, you don't get to know. I get to know. Okay. You're right, because I stayed at... I shouldn't mention it, but I'm going to... I stayed at the Hilton for like a lot of the shows at NEC, and my last stay last week was fantastic, incidentally, yeah. but the year before, there was no heating and no hot water because they are going through work, so you are spending like hundreds of pounds a night. Yeah, you should downgrade the price so, for that. So the feeling of value there was awful, yeah. but you're right, it might not be the cheap... Oh. I'm guessing it is. I feel like the question's really harsh if it's not, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's Tuesday night, you're at the Britannia Birmingham, you're tucking yourself in. Anything less than £29.99 for me 
you wouldn't stay there. So you were going 29. 29, 99. Really interesting is exactly the number that I had in mind because it is exactly that psychological thing. But I am going to go lower just because it's a freak show of a question. So obviously it's got to be something weird about this. Higher or lower? I'm going lower. I'm going 28 or below. It's £149. So it's literally the UK's worst hotel and somehow this <laughs> the audacity to charge that price but, on a Tuesday night. I have a lot more questions, but we well, won't we be able to answer any of them. We can it's a quick fire round. Yeah, yeah, I know. Me. Oh, that flew a I while ago. <laughs> desperately want to know. No, we'll look at that. When I finish looking at your shipping container house, I will be looking at the worst hotel <laughs> in the UK. Um, okay, how much to adopt a wombat? <laughs> From where? Via the WWF website. I mean, they're not much use, are they, wombats? Yeah, but you're Particularly not, I don't think you're getting, you don't get home. the wombat, do no, you? you don't not get like a, it's... it's not a rental scheme, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. I need to know. It's like a theoretical... <laughs> yeah, mm. it's it's a plastic adoption. So <laughs> Don't get the wombat. It's just a donation. You yeah. don't own the wombat. You get a picture of a generic wombat, let's be honest. You don't even get like a phone call on its birthday. No, That's... no. There's another thousand owners of said wombat. It's a pyramid scheme, Wombat. <laughs> it's £10 a month because that's an affordable amount. I think Paul? you're going to go higher, though. Yeah, I'm going to go... I think go, you'd be uh, wrong, too. Oh. <laughs> wait, wait. I can't lead the witness. Well, that's... I think... <laughs> that Is that match-fixing? Yeah. <laughs> it's out the window. There's no point playing this game anymore. Well, yeah, I, f- I feel like... Me saying lower is a pretty hollow victory. Lower, I think I should fix. <laughs> well, according to this, it's $25, which I guess it depends on the exchange rate. You could be right. Twenty-five One day. 25, <laughs> 25 per year? Yeah. Oh, that's good value. value. It's almost bad economy like said, not to be adopting right. a wombat. So that's probably, do it. It's probably about 300 quid now, isn't it? The, the, the rate yeah. of the pound. So I think it's it, probably tax deductible as well. Just, so you're looking at it and you're thinking... Probably just call that a draw. <laughs> what weird. Yeah. <laughs> So, Max, where can we find you? What projects have you got on? So, we're currently filming the new series of Amazing Spaces where we build a caravan that's super well insulated to reduce bills and it combines my love of design, small space and environmental consideration. Yeah, that's like a template for life, basically, if you can get this to work. I believe so. Uh, And that's a good thing about society now is you can have a stylish, fun, yet eco-friendly solution. I think previously, when I started out 15, 20 years ago, if you were sustainable... You were a hippie with dreadlocks, dirty fingernails, yeah. tied to a tree. And now you can be stylish and consider the environment. So that's a really good part of the movie. Prius, Priuses used to be eco-swap cars. And now everyone's <laughs> got them. Yeah. Uh, and then we've also just... And I don't want to remind you about the bus, because I think I'd cunningly got you away from the bus, but I'm going to accidentally get you back onto it. Okay. Are you going to get us onto the bus? Yeah. So, hey. All aboard. Uh, we have just driven around the UK in the spring teaching people how to do DIY on the bus. It's called Tool Club. So fun! And it's going to be out in the next few months. Um, keep an eye out for it. It's Channel 4 Daytime, and it was brilliant. It was just an opportunity to drive around in my double-decker bus and I've converted it into a workshop, basically. People would come on board with objects and items, sometimes with like a lovely backstory. Like ready, steady cook, but for furniture. This is amazing. I love it. It was the best. And Why you still have the bus. This? You still physically have it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a big blue bus, and it's, it's just got all the tools. It's just the ultimate <laughs> playground for me, really. And people would come on. But the, the idea of this show is we don't do it for them. So we give these people the skills they need to do the transformation themselves, and then they take those skills home, and therefore they can then do a bit more DIY around the home, give them that confidence level they need. And that's, I guess it's a money-saving tip as well, isn't it, that yeah. do more DIY yourself. You don't need to get people in all the time. You can do it yourself. Right. So that is sadly all we've got time for. Well, I do feel really sad. I know. 
<laughs> you did have a, a legit really sad face on there, Paul. Yeah, wasn't? I don't know. Yeah. No, well, he's, he's sad about the end of the podcast or the the fact that hair follicles are oh, too yeah. expensive. You actually buy them in sets of four for a tenner. Yeah, well, I'll be thinking about that for a long time, I think. Um... <laughs> <laughs> what, your C-zone? Yeah, <laughs> C-zone. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing all your amazing knowledge with us. This has been a real treat. Um, Max, we will look out for you. Thank you, Paul, Thank for you. being my, uh, my co-pilot, the other person on the bus. Oh, thanks for the nice intro as well. I think it just created a nicer sort of mood for the podcast. That's okay. just a bit of feedback I'm going to put in there. All right, sure. <laughs> yeah, thanks for listening. Please keep showing up. Rate and review the podcast if you like it. Forget you heard it if you hated it. If you didn't enjoy it, you've got 30 days to return it. Your statutory rights are not affected in terms of conditions applied. <laughs>